This is Hemi. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast and give us good ratings mm-hmm. and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Hello. Hi. I have so many things we got to get to. Um, how are you? I'm doing really well. I was just telling you about a yoga class I went to. That was really great. You don't have to congratulate me for taking a <laughs> yoga class. <laughs> but it was good. I felt like grounded and all the good things that you're supposed to feel after yoga instead of sleepy. Very nice. But I'm uh, still sweaty. It's been three hours <laughs> and I've taken a shower. It's an oven in this city. It really is. And then I went to take a hot yoga class. Hey, Jess, yeah, what the what? fuck are you doing? Double the hotness, yes. I guess. Uh, we have to give thanks to some of our Patreon subscribers. Oh, cool. Thank you to Tim A, Tina D, Jen P, Claire U. Thank you so much for becoming new subscribers. We thank appreciate you, it. Thank you, everyone. And also thank you to my friend Matt Ritter, who helped us fix our technical issues Woo-hoo. over the weekend. Thank you, Matt. He very patiently sat at this kitchen table with me for like two hours. It works, though. It I works. Think. He did great work. We'll find work. out. He's been, I met him when we were in high school, and he was a techie, and I was in the drama <laughs> club, and very little has changed in our relationship, nice. apparently. <laughs> so let me start off uh, a point of personal privilege. I have been working on this podcast, a different one, about the Pledge of Allegiance oh, sure, sure, sure. Oh, and forever. I it to is subscribe. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is it now. now available online. If you search for the Supreme Court versus church-state separation anywhere you get your podcasts, it should be available the first episode. There are only four that will be uh, put up eventually. But, uh, oh, it's going to be four? I thought it was going to be six. Four episodes, but cool. they're really long. So there you go. It's up there. Rate it. Give all the good ratings. I don't really know what happens after that. But uh, it took a long time to research and put together, so I hope you like it. You have that 10 ratings. They better be amazing. I believe one or two of them is a one star and the rest are Who five stars. the hell? I don't know, but you got two good reviews. That's but uh, somebody... Somebody Wait, came there in. are 10 reviews? Only two? There's 10, there's 10 ratings. Oh, there's 10 ratings. And then two reviews. Both the reviews are positive, but you do have a couple in that one-star slot. Oh, my God. That one person with a one-star review uh-huh. has dropped me to a 4.5 out of 5. I know that story. That happened to my Etsy shop. Somebody gave me one star on a design because right, one thing was one square get, off. I need all of you to give me five stars and just drown and us out. five stars. Oh, right. We also These have a thing. Two. So let's get to, this is the most interesting thing I've seen all week. Okay. Because uh, it has nothing to do with Trump. So <laughs> it's so rare. It's new. These stories. So here's the background you need to know. Uh, and you probably know of this guy if you live in like evangelical circles. There's a guy named Joshua Harris who years and years ago, like two decades ago, mm-hmm. wrote a book called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And it's it really jump-started the purity movement. So all those purity rings and yeah. the idea that you should be abstinent until marriage, like, he kicked that into high gear mm-hmm. and made it seem like this isn't just a religious thing. This is what cool kids do. Yeah, and it's like a moral and ethical and cool. <laughs> right, and he not only did and he say... And definitely not incestuous if you pledge your virginity <laughs> to your father. Not, That's not weird not and is really normal all. and regular and healthy. <laughs> so not only did he say you should be abstinent. I mean, we're talking don't kiss anybody until your wedding day sort of thing. Oh, he's like, no kiss till wedding day? Like, nothing until your wedding day. And don't date around... Because if you go on a date with someone, you should only do that if your focus, if there's an eye toward marriage. Like, you don't go on a date with a stranger. You go on a date with someone, you're like, I think I'm going to marry you. I'm just going to test it out, maybe with a chaperone. 
and we'll see how it goes. Wait, really? It's like, to me, it's like an arranged marriage, except you make the first step of Uh deciding it. But then it's kind of like your opinions don't matter now until the wedding day. So like that's it's all it's wild. courtship. It's not dating. It's See, I didn't courtship. know that part about it yeah. because like that's even more <laughs> unhealthy because you're not even like talking to m- multiple people to see if there's a mm. connection. It's like, which well, is we- why so many of these evangelical Christians got married when they were like 21 and have since gotten divorced. <laughs> well, we'll see where I'm going. Is that with foreshadowing? This. Foreshadowing. <laughs> so by the way, he wrote that book when he was 21. Which is when you know everything about dating. Sure. Uh-huh. I was the smartest <laughs> I've ever been when I was 21, for sure. When he was 24, he had gotten married to a woman named Shannon. He wrote a book. He wasn't co- even married when he was 21? He wasn't even married at the time. He's just, But he married. knew everything about dating. Sure, 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 sure. He got married to this woman named Shannon uh, a couple years later. He wrote a book called Boy Meets Girl, Say Hello to Courtship in 2000. <laughs> And so this guy's spent his whole childhood, really, preaching abstinence and courtship and not dating Mm -hmm. forever. This is what he was known for. And then a weird thing happened. And we've talked about this. Like, maybe it's been a while. But we talked about this a few years ago. Because a few years ago, he was like, hey, I'm a little older now. And I heard from a lot of the people who grew up learning what I was preaching. Uh And they're now saying, oh, my life is ruined because of this guy. Mm -hmm. Because they took his advice. And they were abstinent. And then their marriages did not go great. Surprise, surprise. And also, they weren't sexually compatible with people. Mm -hmm. And whatever it was, they're just like, this advice that you should be abstinent and not do anything physical, Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't date around. And where did he pull that from? Um, Like, where was the the genesis of that His answer is the the Bible. The real answer is nowhere. It's it's what you learned in those circles if you were part of them. I guess it's just the extreme version of no sex until marriage. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. I mean, where do you learn any of this stuff? It's not like they sit you down and say, "Here's how you should tr- talk about atheists," because right. we're all used to the stereotypes coming out of evangelical world. Sure. But when you're part of that culture, you absorb it, right? And like you grow up in it, even if no one sits you down and tells you mm-hmm. it explicitly. So anyway, um, a couple years ago, he's like, "Look, I need to take a step back from all the stuff I've been preaching about right. all this for a long time," even though that wasn't what he does now like he was a pastor somewhere i mean he's I think like, he started to see that he started to see the wider view of right. it and he got the feedback and so he stopped like he put a halt on repu- reprints of the book okay like so you could still buy it but like they're not reprinting copies of this thing over and over mm-hmm. um he also made a documentary or he allowed a documentary to be made about his book huh. um and that documentary though featured a lot of people like talking about how it hurt them sure. and how it ruined their lives. And it also included Joshua Harris kind of telling all these people that I'm sorry for all the hurt you've been to. Mm-hmm. But it was very much an apology in the sense of Christians who go to gay pride parades with I'm sorry signs. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that sounds good. But also, no, because what are you sorry about? Right. Are you sorry that people got hurt or are you changing your views mm-hmm. accordingly? And uh, the problem I have with a lot of those I'm sorry holders at pride parades is they still think homosexuality is a sin. They still think my church should not support gay marriage. They're just sorry you feel bad about that. Is Some... that a 
Like is that, that is one hundred percent right. I will defend that. That is what a bunch of them do. And so my really? my suggestion is, if you ever see someone holding an "I'm sorry" sign, mm-hmm. ask them, "What do you think about gay marriage? Do you support it? Does your church support it? And what do you think about homosexuality? Is it a sin?" And see how they respond, and okay. then you can accept their apology and okay. take it seriously. In this guy's case, he's like, "I'm sorry, you guys were hurt by my abstinence uh, advice, yeah. my bullshit." But also, he didn't say I was wrong. Mm-hmm. He didn't say it was bad for me to say that necessarily. He's kind of opened it up to like, okay, maybe dating isn't the worst idea. But it's not like he's going around saying, yeah, you should have a healthy sex life right. before you go into marriage. And like, he's not alone in that. Plenty of evangelicals will say the same thing. So anyway, that's where he's been for the past couple of years. And then this week. And how old is he now? Is he like our uh, age or is he younger? Uh, 21 in 2000. He's probably in his oh, early okay. 40s-ish. Right. So... Where is he at now? This week, he posted on Instagram just a simple message, a picture of him and his wife saying, hey, we're getting separated. I paraphrase. Mm-hmm. No explanation. Not that it's any of our Doesn't business. Doesn't know that. Yeah. Right? But he's saying, I'm quoting, we're separating. We will continue our life together as friends. Blah, blah, blah. We've changed in ways. Mm-hmm. His uh, at now separated wife, Shannon, has actually posted some stuff on Twitter using the hashtag exvangelical, which is what really? people say when they're kind of fed up with evangelical culture, even if they still kind of believe some of that stuff. It doesn't mean huh. she's an atheist now or anything. But you could see they've clearly, both of them, have been on this separate path from the evangelical culture that they grew up in. Interesting. So, but it, it, what gets me about this is stepping back from his quote-unquote apology. The whole thing he's been preaching forever mm-hmm. is you should be abstinent. You should not date around because that kind of ruins you mm-hmm. for marriage. But if you follow my advice, if you don't date around, if you get married to the first person you think you fell in love with. Just fucking wild. <laughs> from the get-go, and you only date because you see marriage in the future, and then mm-hmm. you do get married, mm-hmm. then your marriage life is going to be better yeah. than those shameless hussies who sleep around yeah. and then get married to whatever, some the next person they date some or whatever it is. Some guy they happen to fall in love right. with and see their life is compatible with and share values. <laughs> what idiots. Right. And so it, the premise, like, forget the abstinence talk. The whole premise has been if you follow this stuff, mm-hmm. you're going to have a healthy marriage. Yes. And guess what? All these women have been telling him for years, like, no, it didn't work for me. It didn't work for me. Whatever it is, for whatever reason it is. And guess what? It didn't work for the guy who's doing it. And again, that is not a knock on him. I don't care about his personal life. It, yeah. Mar- separation happens. Divorce happens. Mm-hmm. That's not a judgment thing. I hope he's happy. I hope she's happy. They have three kids. I hope they can deal with it. Right. The only issue is like, look, that guy who was preaching abstinence and purity forever, it didn't work for him either. Mm -hmm. So like maybe his advice wasn't great. And maybe there are other paths to finding a healthy, healthy, happy marriage that don't involve following this conservative Christian path that we already knew doesn't work for people. Sure. But hey, it's it's kind of like those people who are like, hey, I used to preach conversion therapy as an ex-gay, which I am. Turns out who, I'm gay as fuck. Who, yeah, who now say like, oh yeah, I'm totally gay and it never helped me right. and I'm, I'm not going to do denial. this anymore. I was in denial. Well, guess what? This guy's not in denial yet, right. but it doesn't work for him. Now the next step is, all right, good. Now start really apologizing. Yeah, I'm He's curious to yet. see next steps both from him. Like, is he going to try to do something to right the ship, uh, you know, try to fix what he's really damaged? And slash, or is this purity thing going to 
move on without him. And to the yeah, and to be fair, I think the back it's kind of like the Me Too movement in general. Like mm-hmm. even within white evangelical circles, mm-hmm. purity rings have kind of gone out of style in some ways. Where it's like, look, the abstinence only, abstinence or bust sort of education we've been giving people mm-hmm. there's a little more nuance we need to consider even within our very narrow fundamentalist sure. worldview like no if you have i think even I, I could be wrong about this i think he even wrote about his wife in one of those earlier books mm-hmm. that like she wasn't a virgin and she had said that out loud huh. but she had committed herself to oh, like she grew it back she grew it back somehow. <laughs> uh, I think they said something like that. So, like, it didn't ruin her. Mm-hmm. It was a different sort of commitment that was needed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think some churches have gotten a, light, a little more nuanced view. It's still wrong. I still think it's unhealthy. Right. But. Yeah, I mean, I really think that any external forces dictating the speed at which a relationship moves are, is ultimately <laughs> unhealthy, whether that's friends and family putting pressure on you to get married or have kids or do whatever, or your church or society, like move at the pace that makes you and your partner comfortable. That's really all that matters. Right. So (sighs) that thing happened. That was just, whoa, that came out of nowhere. How do you you feel? Like, do you feel smug about it? Do you feel bad for him? And we wrote this on our website too. Like, I don't have any schadenfreude here. Like, I don't feel happy that he's getting divorced. He has... He has kids. No, yeah. I don't feel happy. I wish he would stay married, and I wish everything was going fine. But look, I could say that about every couple ever. Right. Like, I hope that the not Facebook version of you that I see, I hope you are happy, and I hope things are going well. But I don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know what I'm dealing with. You know what I mean? So it's one of those, like... Hey, look, if it is going back to that old Louis C.K. joke, if you're mm. getting divorced, oh, like yeah. it's probably a good thing. Yeah, there's what is it? <laughs> what, no happy marriage ends in divorce, right. right? Like, so good. If you're getting separated, you clearly figured out this is the decision that was right for you. So, right. in that sense, good for him. But also, I don't care about your marriage. I care about the message you were sending people for decades mm-hmm. and kind of still are sending, no matter what your apology tour looks like. Yeah. And this is kind of living proof that your approach doesn't work for mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah. So maybe like that's the thing I want to hear from this guy. Yeah, he has to do some major backtracking before I give him any kind of credit. So yeah, so I don't take any delight in seeing this. It's like, oh, okay, this thing happened to you. So what are you going to say now about that thing I actually care about? Mm-hmm. That's the thing I, I want to know. Yeah. I. Ugh. It's not schadenfreude. I... There is an element of element of like I told you so in my head, but like I know that's a kind of gross <laughs> response. And I think part but of I it can't is help it. like even if his marriage was fine and successful and lasted it forever, weren't anything. No, it doesn't mean anything. Like because plenty of other people have followed his mm-hmm. advice mm-hmm. and have gotten hurt and were right. not happy with how things turned out. Yeah. and it's not like it wasn't validated until it happened to this guy. Sure. So it's like okay, well, this is just one a big piece of the puzzle that suggests that we the critics were right about our criticism you right. know for all this time so that's it um okay back to trump news since okay. there's always stuff so this week i'm not gonna spend too much time talking about the crazy racist shit he said at his rally Oof. and the the racist who echoed his racism back at him because that's what his hate rallies do yeah it was pretty fascisty huh uh, but in terms of religion this was interesting to me. Uh, there is a house chaplain. Like, there is a chaplain in the U.S. house, paid for by taxpayers. Gets mm-hmm. a pretty nice six-figure salary as really? well. Really? 
Yeah, and you don't get to be it because you're an atheist. Fuck. Uh, and you don't, uh, as we have talked about, I think, on this show before, uh, an atheist, Dan Barker of Freedom from Religion Foundation, said, I'm doing everything to get invited to give one invocation right. there. Like, I got a sponsor in Congress to, like, to vouch for me and right. everything. And they still said, no, you don't get to do it. And they sued. And ultimately, the court said, nope, the House gets to do whatever the hell it wants. Mm-hmm. If they say no atheist, then no atheist. Sure. Whatever. Separate issue. But that guy is still there. Uh, Reverend Pat Conroy is still the chaplain. And after Trump's racist hate rally, here's the invocation he gave. Like, I don't know if it was the next day or the day after, but this is what he said. See if you could figure out what words like he leaves out. Okay. This has been a difficult and contentious week in which darker spirits seem to have been at play in the people's house. In your most holy name, I now cast out all spirits of darkness from this chamber, spirits, not from you, talking about God. Oh. But it's like, okay, uh, stop blaming spirits of darkness that's for what's some, happening. That's like, wild shit that's for a... Like, even beyond the supernatural thing, that's like some ignorant person saying, like, you know what the problem with politics is? Like, members devil. of Congress. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. It, Congress is not the problem. It's one party right. that is the problem. Don't say like, oh, the media is corrupt. Or, no, it's like there's a channel that's more corrupt than the rest yeah, of them. Yeah, because I think the thing <laughs> is there are fair criticisms to be levied at the media, at the Democrats, at everybody. But let's not pretend that we're all complicit in the same yeah. thing. Like, so to say like, it's well, the GOP, there are darker spirits here. No, it's one dude and an entire party that's right. too scared to criticize him, probably because a lot of them feel the exact same oh, way sure. he does. So this this whole, for, we shouldn't have a house chaplain. We shouldn't be giving prayers in the house in the first place. But the one who did, the guy who's in charge of it all, is pretending like the devil had something to do with all the tensions in the house. Mm. No, it's humans who say stupid human shit, and they should be condemned by name for what they're doing. Uh, I appreciate what Nick Fish of American Atheists said. Those weren't spirits. Those were people. Let's not pretend this is some mysterious supernatural Mm. problem. Um. Can we, I know you said we weren't going to like dig into the racism stuff too much, but essentially what happened this week is Trump told three, four women of color to quote unquote go back where they came from. Three of them are from the three U.S. Are from the U.S. The fourth is has been a U.S. citizen longer than his wife. Um, <laughs> God, he's we, racist. Oh, so racist. Can we? And plenty of I think there were some white Democrats who were like, I came from another country too. He didn't levy that oh, criticism at course. me. Of course, like I, I've heard people tell stories of like they're a white person from like the UK or whatever, and somebody would, is complaining about immigrants, and they're like, I'm an immigrant, and they, the person says, Well, but you came here legally. Like, how the fuck do you know, <laughs> racist? Um, can we speak a little? What I think is interesting is the um, the level. That a plausible deniability that the people on the right are willing to give Trump's racism, because to me, telling a person of color go back where you came from, especially if they were born in the U.S. and and I want to be clear, like <laughs> being not born in the U.S. does not make you any more or less American, but like it is an extra layer of sting of like the Bronx. Are you <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Do you think there is a line that you know? Joe Maga will finally say, like, yeah, that was racist. Like, uh, does not, he have to no. say, I think black people are bad for them to... No, they don't care. They don't care. White evangelicals 
80% of them anyway. Don't care. As l- the only thing Trump could do that'll turn any of them off is appoint some liberal judge to the Supreme Court. But at what point and do until they have to- that moment, they will defend anything and everything, no matter how explicit he makes it. But I just think it's wild. It, it, it's one thing to say, like, yeah, that was racist, but I still believe X, Y, and Z is fine. At what Because po- they still say that wasn't racist. Like, I saw some, like, really good hot takes that were like, uh, nobody mentioned that there were people of color until the Democrats did. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's just a fucking coincidence. He right. told a bunch of brown women to go back where they came from. Is there, like, are, like, are they going to show us their face? Are they finally going to say... Yeah, that was racist. And like what would have to happen for people to actually say like, yes, that was racist. However, the economy, the immigration wall. Um it'll you know what? I don't know when the switch will get turned on. I feel like in a couple of decades, maybe sooner, you're going to see a whole bunch of them say, "I never really supported him." Well, we have receipts, my dude. <laughs> like Twitter's still going to Oh my god. Screenshots are going to survive. In, there are 4 years worth of like receipts mm-hmm. that people will have for the rest of some of these people's lives good that like, no, what did you say? What did you do? Cause they've done this before. It's like, Oh, we weren't. And like white evangelicals are like, we've always been against abortion. Like, no Roe V John Stevens died this week. The old retired Supreme court justice. Uh And one of the facts that people mentioned after his death is that when he was confirmed, it was, I think, months after Roe v. Wade, and during his confirmation hearing, no one even asked about it mm-hmm. because it wasn't a thing. No one cared about right. Roe v. Wade when it happened. It wasn't until years later when white evangelicals are like, this is how we could get power. Right. Let's delude people into thinking unborn fetuses um, are the great cause we right. need to defend, and then we can control them, yeah. and that worked. But, like, they're going to rewrite their own, they're going to whitewash their own I mean, history to be like, I never liked Trump. I mean, they've already done it. Like, there's millions of tapes of McConnell, like, saying something when Obama was president and saying, like, the literal polar opposite. Oh, thing yeah, yeah. About yeah. What's going to happen if someone retires or dies on the Supreme Court? Because now we're at the point where it's like a year Within away. A year, yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, we'll appoint somebody. Yeah. I mean, of course he is because he's Mitch McConnell and they're Republicans. God, they don't he's care such about a rules. fucking nightmare human. So. Anyway, I sorry. don't think there's anything explicit. Like, again, anything Trump does, they will find a way to pretend like it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, even if there were tapes, it's like, well, he did it before he was president. Right. Even if there's a tape in the White House, it's like, ah, oh, he was provoked. It was something else. Someone else was in there. Whatever. They'll yeah. always defend someone who's a horrible person if yeah. they get what they want. Yeah. All they want is judges. Nothing else matters. Yeah. And it's working. Yeah. And it's and it's so funny, the the language of racism that people don't understand. Like if you're not a white, if you're a white person, you do not understand what it means when somebody says either, where are you from or go back where you came from? Like a friend of mine who I did comedy with is Brown and she, she fucking ran for, um, she primaried for Congress. And one of the first nights she and I went out to drink after a show we did, she was like, Oh my God, people ask me that like once a week, like, where are you from? Mm -hmm. And she has the thickest Chicago accent I have ever heard in my fucking life. And I get it via email still. I get a bunch of it on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. I mean, it happens. It's not, there's different ways of handling it, but like we all get it. Yeah. And so I gotten, have gotten plenty of shit for being a woman and loud and swearing. Nobody's ever told me to go back where I came from Mm -hmm. ever. Cause that would be Burridge and I can't afford to live there. (laughs) 
a totally, totally different story, but it does involve Republicans. In Alabama, we've talked about Roy Moore is running for Senate. One of his Jesus opponents... Jesus fucking Christ. Can he take a, take up knitting or something and get out of no our hair? He can't take no for He's going to run. Uh, uh, so uh, one of his opponents in the that. GOP primary is uh, the Secretary of State for Alabama, John Merrill. And one of the things John Merrill said this week, they asked him... Uh, during some town hall meeting or a press conference or whatever, like, what do you think about a shift in the culture? Um, and I'm, I forgot what they were specifically referring to, but mm-hmm. like, you know, our culture has become more liberal since whenever. Since and always. Since it's always, always gotten more liberal. It's always gotten more liberal. And here's his response, part of his response. Like, this is like, that's what we've allowed to happen. How have we allowed it to happen? Well, there are no more good TV shows on, like... <laughs> Oh, it gets better. <laughs> there are no more good TV shows on, like Gunsmoke, Bonanza, The Virginian, Andy Griffith, I Love Lucy. We don't have those shows anymore. Those any- are from the 40s. Oh, mm-hmm. We don't have those shows anymore. We're too interested in homosexual activities. I mean, he's not wrong. I've read the book, <laughs> book Red, White, and Royal Blue twice in the last week because I've had a rough one. Super into that homosexual activity there. What, what is he watching? I think he's referring to like Game of Thrones, maybe, or like what yeah, shows but for is every he... gay sex scene on Game of Thrones? There are many, 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 many more straight sex scenes and naked <laughs> ladies doing doing weird contortiony things. Sure, and like trashy TV has, is not new. No, like no one's talking about that. The difference I would argue now and why TV is better now, even though I don't watch as much now. We get it. You're right? a hipster. Yes, is because like okay, now you have different voices and more voices yeah, who are. <laughs> who are like speaking out like you get more stories you get a more diverse group of people telling stories and acting in them mm-hmm. that's interesting and that means yeah you see more gay characters and representation yeah like fine good i don't watch much of it but, but listen, there it is he can still by watch way, old episodes of home improvement if he needs that <laughs> like it's still there for you but i'm trying to figure out like what do all these shows have in common like gunsmoke bonanza i don't i don't know Str- much about the virginian but like cowboy like oh, macho yeah. white man guy man. yeah Manly man. andy griffith is like the aw shucks mm-hmm. 1950s kids. I love Lucy is still kind of like a let's ignore all the problems. I know uh, Lucy's husband was like a Cuban and he played music, but like they slept in separate beds. Uh They didn't talk about political racism. They couldn't say uh, the word (laughs) pregnant. Right. So I'm having a baby. This is the world he wants to live in. Can I, I used to love, so uh, when I was a kid, it might still be a thing, but Nick at night was like huge. Uh And, um, I used to watch I Love Lucy all the time, and there is an episode or a string of episodes about Lucy learning to drive. And I remember as, like, a nine-year-old girl in, like, the 1990s, like, she couldn't fucking drive? <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? Like, it just was so outside my my realm of understanding. Anyway, I wonder if that show holds up. I bet it does. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out, like, what is it that he's afraid of? If Forget gay sex no one's asking him to watch any of that i am I but if like he's afraid of like gay characters in tv what is he afraid of that he might get empathy for them like yes. he might be like oh i yeah. shouldn't be a dick to everyone no he's afraid to see these people humanize because then he might be forced to like look his own bigotry in the face and be like oh gays they're just like us <laughs> like uh, by the way the reporter followed up like what what do you mean by this he said i meant what i said <laughs> And then he added, they're too busy being preoccupied with homosexual activities and the wife swap shows. What? (laughs) 
six? Yeah. Because yeah. maybe like Will nope, and Grace. wife swap shows all over the place now. Don't you know? <laughs> I. Maybe no not. one is more obsessed with like gay, gay sex shit, yeah. than white conservative Christians. That is so wild. Um, okay. I want to talk about people too. I yes. have things to say. Uh, um, so, on a similar like absurdist but also evil note, just sort of where we live our life in this podcast, there's a New Hampshire state representative. His name's Werner Horn, which sounds made up like if somebody <laughs> if there was a television show and a sheriff was named warner horn i'd be like guys can we can we workshop this a little it's bit it's not a homosexual show anyway uh he is a republican um and he got on a really cool facebook debate with another representative named dan hines um so Dan Hines posted a thing about historian is tied for the most racist president. Uh, historian said Trump is now tied for the most racist president in American history, which I think is interesting. And I would read that article. I feel like Jackson would give him a run for his money. But <laughs> yeah, is he number two? or Yeah, what? I don't know. Or maybe he's tied with him. Uh-huh. But so Werner said, wait, owning slaves. He says, what about, so this guy says, this is a ridiculous article. This is why nobody believes the Democrats. Um, And what does it say about all the other presidents who owned slaves? Which is not a terrible point. Like, Like, wouldn't the presidents who owned slaves be more racist racist. than Donald Um, Trump? Which I think is a completely... Who only talks the way people talk. Right. He only pays people below minimum wage. Uh But not technically slaves. Um, So Werner Horn responds, wait. Owning slaves doesn't make you racist, which is the fucking wildest take I've ever heard. That's literally what he said. Like, literally, I have the screen grab of the Facebook conversation. Oh, my God. There's no content. It's just a one line. (laughs) Wait, owning slaves doesn't make you racist. Dot, dot, dot. And what does Hayes say back? Because he's saying it's an economic decision it's and an not economic a racist decision. one. That's my favorite thing. So okay. That's one way to evade racism charges. Like, dude, it was just about business. <laughs> it, it's just... And, and so, like, it's just such a... Stop looking at the color of their skin. This is an economic decision And that's what he, like, slaves. dug in on. He said it shouldn't be surprising since owning slaves wasn't a decision predicated on race, but economics. Au contraire, mon frere. I think ra- slavery was pretty fucking racist if you were a free black person and could just get brought back into slavery or brought into slavery in the first place. Anyway, he said it's never okay to own another person. Thank you. But to label the institution as racist is a false narrative. (laughs) What? If we can't if we can't agree that slavery was racist, then what are we even doing well, here? This is why people have the Confederate flag out, because they think there's like, this has nothing to do with racism or slavery. This is about culture. Yeah. I, culture of slavery. I feel what? like I really want to print out a map of like how this, the states were split up in, during the Civil War. <laughs> and every time I see somebody in Illinois with a Confederate flag... It will just have a big circle around Illinois that, that says it was like a union state and says, you are here, dumbass. <laughs> I feel like that would be fun. Um, so what's going on with this guy now? Anything? Oh, I'm sure there's no consequences to him. He's a white male leader. Um, unless there, it's, it's just my comment was specifically aimed at a period of time when that was how you survived. That's how you fed your family. It wasn't, I want to own a black person today. It was, I need to feed my family. I need five guys who can work stupidly long hours in the sun without killing themselves. <laughs> oh <my> Sir! 
2019 when Republicans are defending slavery how as did not we racist. Get here? Like, I know how we got here, but how? He's defending slavery as not racist, Hemet. The wild thing is that's like not even in the top 20 worst things Republicans have said this week. Uh, I just, <laughs> it's just so much for me to deal with. To label the institution as racist is a false narrative. That's the GOP platform right there. He continued, women and children cost less than male slaves. Does that mean they were being discriminated against? Quote, unless you're going to try to tell me those plantation owners were so in the dark ages, they were, that they delighted in also being sexist and ages, practicing age discrimination and sex discrimination when they bought slaves. I don't see how you can say they're being racist because they bought black slaves. Hammond. <laughs> I would love to see a logic book written by these Republicans. It would be a circle. It would be a spiral <laughs> into madness. Oh, my God. I just, I cannot. How is this cross you're going to die on, Werner? <laughs> Fuck. And the weird thing is the way he writes that post, that, like, it's not, it makes it sound like this is totally not the first time he's had this conversation. Oh, no, and he thinks we're the idiots right. because we think <laughs> slavery was somehow tied to race. Oh I, don't, I mean, it's it's a fucking lie. <laughs> and this just goes to show you that, like, even members of Congress, even at the state level, they talk like your racist uncle on Facebook. <laughs> they all do. Hey, guys, if you're listening to this, run for something. You're Please not me do. or Hemet. You don't have a lot of baggage attached to your name. <laughs> you run for something. Uh, in Alabama, check this out. So there are 30 states that still have the We've death penalty. We've spent so much we, time in Alabama. We have to. There's 30 states that have the death penalty, uh-huh. uh, which is, it shouldn't be their death penalty bad. They should abolish 30 it. States 30 still. states have it on the books. Oh, okay. Most of them don't do it. Right. Only a few actually go through with it. Some of them Texas. haven't abolished it. Right. Like, okay. Texas, yes. And all of them have a set way they execute people. And you know this because they have, like, the manual. And it says, like, when we execute a prisoner, these are the three drugs we're going to inject in them Mm -hmm. in this order. This is how you do it if you're the executioner. And one of the issues has been, well, those drugs don't, who's going to, we don't have any more of that drug. What are you going to do? Okay, separate issue. The, The problem in Alabama is that they have the death penalty, but in terms of the manual for how do we execute people, that is not public information. They really? hide it. Yeah. Oh, there's nothing shady about that. Nothing shady about that. And so, like other states, at least say, here it is on our website. Here's the documentation. <coughs> Alabama doesn't do it. That so makes me different people have been trying to get access to this information. They can't FOIA that. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get public public uh, access, mm-hmm. FOIAing this stuff. And one of the people who did this was Tabitha Eisner, who's a progressive activist. Also an ordained minister. She actually Hmm. ran for Congress uh, in Alabama 2nd Congressional District last year. She lost. Surprise. But she did run like a progressive in Alabama. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she is an activist, and she wanted that information a couple of years ago. And because she wanted to know how Alabama was instituting the death penalty so that she can criticize it. Sure. Right? You got to know what you're talking about when you're saying, here's why it's bad. Look at the what they're doing. Right. Because if Alabama says, well, we use this drug, you could say, well, guess what? This drug isn't available. What they're using is torture. Mm-hmm. Like, because we know that, whatever. You can't do that unless you have the documentation that says this is what we're doing. So she tried to get it. There is... In, when she filled out the public records request, it says, what's the reason you want this? And what she wrote to them is, 
I want to pray about it. She specifically said, as a member of the clergy, I feel a spiritual obligation to pray over executions. To do this most effectively, I need to have a detailed understanding of how executions are carried out. (coughs) So maybe that's a little uh, joke. Like, that's the reported excuse she gave. I hope so, because that whole thing made me extremely (coughs) uncomfortable to hear. Yeah, I don't think she's actually trying to do it, but I'm saying, like, Fine, if that's what that's it takes. That's fucking twisted, though. Like, <laughs> I need to know the order of the drugs so I can pray over them properly. Pretty much. I need to know what you're doing so I could pray Fuck. for the prisoners. Whatever. Yeah. They could have just said no. I mean, they would have to give her a reason, too. But, like, they could have just said, we're not turning this over. Instead, they basically took her to court over this. Yeah. They deposed her for two hours, asking her questions what? about her request under oath. And the documentation, like the deposition transcript Uh just came out now, even though it happened a while back. Yeah. And so AL.com, a local news site, they wrote an article about what happened there. And what they pointed out is that the questions they asked her were trying to poke holes in her religious argument here. (laughs) So you had a state official. Uh, Hammond, you can't question somebody about their religion. It's illegal. Well, this it's According kind, to Jesus. It's kind of funny because I like the questions, except in this situation, right, what a horrible weird thing. Context. They're like, well, like certainly the God described in the scriptures is an omniscient God. And she says, God is often described in scripture as omniscient, which means he knows all things. If I got my Latin right, yes. And so if God hears our prayers, all prayers, and God knows all things, God would know the details of these protocols you say you want to know about. So they do know how logic works. (laughs) Those bastards, they've been lying to us. So basically the argument from the state is, well, if you believe in God and you think God knows everything, he knows how we're executing people. So we don't need to hand over this documentation to you because don't worry, if you pray to God for the prisoners, God knows how this is done. So now we're going to reject your request. Holy <laughs> shit. But here's the bigger issue. Here's a person who, who cares about her reason for wanting this. She asked a, she wanted the public records of how they do executions. Right. And they took her to court to dig into her religious beliefs to find out how sincere she is. I don't know. But if my boss doesn't believe in birth control, then that's fine. Because <laughs> religion. Like you should shouldn't have to defend your religion or lack thereof in order to get access to records that ought to be public yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's wild. But Holy man. shit. So, messed that up story. That is the most bonkers. Like, I'm kind of digesting it. That's really, it's really wild. completely messed up. And that's how they do things in Alabama. I then found a story that I just saw and I'm like, Jessica Bate. Oh, no. Uh-huh. This is from Lori Alexander, who is the conservative wife blogger who tells all women how to be good Christian wives. What, what's her blog name? Um, what's her handle? I don't know. I'm oh, she's not like scary The transformed mommy. wife. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know this bitch. <laughs> so she's the person who has said men only want women who are debt-free virgins with no tattoos. I have such bad news to my, for my <laughs> husband. <laughs> she said, hey... <laughs> she said paid leave, paid family leave, which, uh, which a lot of progressives have been fighting for. Uh-huh. That's bad for America because since it gives women an incentive to work outside the home. She also said if your <laughs> husband wants sex with you, you need to give it up because, quote, how long does it take? Oh, yeah, because she her. totally told on her husband. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, her latest hot take oh, is about eating. 
And she says, how would you respond if your husband one day looked at you and said, you're eating too much. You need to lose weight. I saw this on Twitter. Uh-huh. A and godly I responded wife. To, I responded to it. A godly wife, she says, would tell her husband that she will stop eating so much and begin to lose weight since she knows that when she obeys her husband, she is obeying God. Fuck that kind. <laughs> um, and by the way, she adds, some women will protest and say a husband can only say something like this if he says it in a kind and loving way. How? Hey, Hammett. No, hey, she Hammett. says, wives who are married to men who make requests like this, even if they are not loving and kind, are to live in subjection to their husbands. So if your husband's being a dick to you and saying, fatty, lose weight, it is your godly responsibility to say, yes, master. Yeah, um, I, <laughs> I responded with a gif from my brother, my brother, and me that was just like, actually, I had an, I had an idea. Actually, fuck this. <laughs> like, I, it's, here's the thing. It is, it's so appalling that it borders on self-parody. Like, just the idea, and like, as somebody who has dealt with weight issues myself and people giving me unhealthy attitudes about weight, the the damage that that kind of bullshit can cause is bad. And also, like, what the fuck? Oh, my God, that's so fucking appalling. Like, how can you turn to the person you love? Oh, no, fuck it. Absolutely fucking not. Absolutely not. Not that fuck we that need to shit. go into nuance of someone who says something this idiotic, but, like, I want to know what she thinks overeating involves because there are people who eat in an unhealthy way versus people who expend a lot of energy and eat a lot. I wonder if she considers that overeating versus what if you just gain a couple of pounds because you're a human. Like, or like you had a human baby or and you your had a baby. body changed. Yeah. Or you turned 30 and you're, you stopped being able to eat <laughs> like three tombstone pizzas a day and stay skinny. <laughs> right. It happens to all of us. Right. So it's like I, she's just saying, no, if your husband says you are way too much, it doesn't matter what the context is. Not that it should. Like... Nope, just obey. But obey is thing. her answer to everything. Oh, it's so fucked up because I'm imagining this is What's only going to happen with like a traditionally thin, beautiful woman, and then she has a complex because like she looks fine and she has skin, and sometimes skin ma- like fuck this, sh- like body shaming to me what is healthy, the fucking worst. What healthy relationship involves someone looking at the partner and being like, lose weight, do it, do mm-hmm. it. Like, I, oh my God, what relationship are you in? It's so sick and it's so unhealthy. And I'm I'm sure the husband is like a fucking prize pig. So <laughs> right. no, right, it's right, right. horrible. And it's, and uh, I don't even want, I, can't, right. I actually can't. I, I got something happier can't. for you. It involves the Duggars. Um, we haven't talked about them in a long time. We haven't. No. Here's why they're in the news. How many kids did they end up with? Too total? many. Are they done so? Mm, what are 19 and counting was the last show. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the it expanded beyond that, <laughs> but now they're getting having grandkids, so maybe they're done. I don't know. But anyway. I'm a lotus pose. Oh my god. <laughs> the lotus don't peacock. show me yoga poses while I was <laughs> in my yoga class and the instructor did a yo- lotus peacock pose and I 
just all I thought was like, oh my God, my best friend would be so horrified. And so I made Hammond look at it. It's very upsetting looking. That's not a human pose. Duggar children. The brief thing about the Duggars is like back in what, five years ago, four or five years ago, they had this TLC show, 19 Kids and Counting. More than that. They had spinoffs of those shows and they're this conservative Christian family that just never stops popping out the babies Mm because that's what God wants them to do. And then... Um, online, a publication said that, hey, we have a report, a police report that was filed in their hometown that basically says Josh Duggar, one of the kids, Mm -hmm. had molested five different girls, including four of his sisters, Mm -hmm. and, like, nothing ever happened because of it. But, like, the report says he was molesting. The phrase they used was forcible fondling. And, like, this blew up, as you would expect. I fucking hate that kind of, like, tiptoeing language. that they kind of... Like, the underage women. Yeah. You mean children? You yeah, mean yeah, girls? Yeah. yeah. So... Forcibly had reason, sex with rape. Yeah. The police report was in, acquired by In Touch magazine, and the magazine said this report has been hidden since 2006. They only got it because of a Freedom of Information Act request. And in December, Josh Duggar had filed a lawsuit uh, this past December, like now. He filed a lawsuit against the magazine saying, like, you shouldn't have published that information. It was private. Uh And the courts basically said, dude, you're a public figure. They got this information in a legal way. You can't expect them to keep this hidden. Like, you have no case here. Sure. And they tossed it out. Um, and plus, they also said you waited way too long to complain about this. Yeah, this came up a while ago. <laughs> yeah, didn't years it? ago. But the five, the four girls in the family, the four Duggar kids, mm-hmm. for the sisters who were victims of Josh Duggar, uh-huh. they also filed a lawsuit separate from him against? against the magazine for publishing the information. They basically said, and by the way, they sued yeah, not sense. just the magazine; they sued the city. And they said the city released this information, and they said, you know, we redacted the information that reveals the victims' uh-huh. names as they should. Right. But, like, you gave away enough information that the public could figure out who it was based on our ages. Right. So, essentially, the city gave away who the victims were in a molestation case, and Which that was okay. wrong of the city. That was their lawsuit. And, yeah, I, there is a valid point they have in that situation, yeah. even if Josh has no case to make here. And this week... A judge basic, I'm sorry, the Court of Appeals, um, a U.S. district judge said, yeah, you girls have a point. The city was wrong to release this. And on Friday of last week, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals said, yeah, that was the right decision by the earlier court. Basically, the ruling says that officials in the city of Springdale, Arkansas, and in Washington County, Arkansas, Mm -hmm. like that oversee where the Duggars live, they wanted the lawsuit tossed out. And the judges are like, no, we're not tossing this out. Those girls, now women, like, they have a right to bring forth this case by saying, like, they have a legit case. They they argued, like, it was a flagrant breach of a pledge of confidentiality. Um, The ruling points out that the police promised confidentiality when the family filed the report, uh, because they did file this, but they released it. The city released it. Mm-hmm. And that added to the distress of the victims. I should say, the girls have not won the case. The Duggars have not won the case yet. All the court said is, this is a legit case. We are not throwing it out because the city wants I us see. to throw it out. Yeah. 
But now the courts will have to assess the merits of this case. Was huh. the city right or wrong to give this information? The city's argument is someone filed the Freedom of Information Act request. We did exactly what we were supposed to do. Yeah. We redacted the information we were supposed to redact. And the pro- like, what did you want? If you Did you want us to keep it hidden because of who the Duggars were? That's their argument. Yeah. Like, what do you want us to do with this? We covered up the victims' names just because people sussed out who it was. That's not our fault. Yeah. That's their argument. Which, again, also kind of an interesting yeah, position to take. Yeah, I don't know what's the, right, what's the right call to make. I mean, I don't know what else. If, if somebody, if it's public information, they redact what they're supposed to. I'm not sure what else they could have done right right and that's the issue the courts will have to sort out it was like his siblings that were victims or did people just see the i believe it said they were siblings they just didn't say the names they said this girl was 12 and this was 11 or something and like you could see the duggar timeline and i know it's squished together right but you could figure out which girls he was talking about and again here's my only issue with the case like it is entirely possible I never needed to know who his victims were to know what a Correct. monster he was. That's what I was going to say. But also, those girls pass themselves off as, like, beneficiaries of this quiverful Christian family where, like, when you have a lot of siblings, everything's great and peachy, yeah. and whatever difficulties they have yeah, are, but like... They were raised and brainwashed in that. That's that, that wasn't a choice they made. Well, and now they're filing the lawsuit that says the one thing that ruined our family's empire of sorts, yeah. um, we wanted you to keep it a secret because we didn't want people finding out that things were way more darker mm-hmm. like, than they should have found out. And but again, as victims, they, they have a right to... I, I don't think that they're filing this lawsuit because it hurt their brand. I think it, they filed this lawsuit because very deeply personal information about them. I want to believe that. I don't know that... I don't know I mean, that I do believe that. I can't that. not believe that. I, I can't not believe that victims are saying like, hey, we don't need everybody to know like the darkest thing that's happened to us. Right. That's totally a fair point. And by the way, I will say the at least a couple of the girls have very publicly talked about what happened. They mm-hmm. have said, you know, they've helped other girls who might be in similar situations and good for them for speaking about that and having the courage to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this lawsuit has merits on both sides. I don't know which way the courts yeah, are going to rule. Yeah, it's an interesting suit, for sure. Yeah, so that happened. Um, I would like to talk about um, a cool new human rights commission. Oh, yes. When I say something's cool, it means I fucking hate it, even though me saying humans right, human rights commission would usually be a positive thing for a believing yeah. liberal as myself. <laughs> Only the Republicans can find a way to screw <laughs> up to a human rights up. commission. Um, so Secretary of State Ma- Mike Pompeo, um, he has kicked off a new commission called uh, the Commission on Unalienable Rights. Inalienable, right? Unalienable? Unalienable? I don't know what the word is. Is it inalienable in the Declaration of Independence? Maybe. Oh, fuck. Bill of Rights? Declaration of Independence. Um, (laughs) Neither thing matters anymore. (laughs) Oh, no! Uh, um, So they want to uh, help establish what something means if we say it's a human right. Um, Pompeo said the commission would conduct, quote, one of the most profound re-examinations of it says unalienable rights. I think inalienable is correct. Uh, look it up. Uh, I know you're not listening to me anyway, I'm so not. just you might it's as well do good. something. <laughs> um, rights in the world since the, the 1948 Universal Declaration of Human Rights. He said the group, will, in which this is definitely the team you want to see tackle human rights, is people hired by fucking Donald Trump. Yes. Um, and he said the group will focus on natural law. 
Natural law. Now, natural law, um, it's a philosophical thought that says certain rights are inherent to being human, usually endowed by God. Uh Um, It says that universal moral truths can be arrived at by examining religious texts or imagined, quote, state of nature, which is, is what it is, but it has generally been used as a concept to argue against women's rights against LGBTQ rights of cuz sort of right like a commission like, that cares about natural law is not defending LGBTQ rights correct and it's yeah i mean it's the same thing they said in the you know in the 20s of like well women are our brains are too tiny to vote so it's really a favor that we're not letting them vote and they belong in the home all women are in the home that's how nature is you know natural homes um so anyway um pompeo for whatever reason He's an asshole. Uh, didn't pick State Department employees who actually work on human rights to staff the commission. <laughs> so instead, he picked former U.S. ambassador to the Vatican, which I did not realize we had a former U.S. Has Do you know, a- isn't the current one Newt Gingrich's wife, third oh, wife? Oh, I have no fucking clue. I think it is. Um, uh, Mary Ann Glendon. So she's heading it. Mm-hmm. Glendon, love to tell you a little bit about this lady. Mm-hmm. She's a conservative law professor. She writes forcefully against the, quote, expansion of abortion rights. She called marriage equality a bid for special preferences. That will suggest, quote, alternative family forms are just as good as a husband and wife raising kids together. You know when, oh. you know when conservatives run smack dab into the point and then still miss it? <laughs> <laughs> we found it. Um, so I would like to just do a quick, like a, a quick run through of the fine people she put on uh, her little commission. So we have Marion Glendon. We have um, Shaikh Hamza Yusuf Hansen, who lectured that his beliefs were Muslims to repress being gay and that homosexuality and same-sex marriage are prophesized as, quote, one of the signs of the end times. Uh-huh. We have Jacqueline Rivers, um, who says that GL- LGBTQ activists were, quote, abolishing in law, the principle of marriage as a conjugal union and reducing it to nothing other than sexual or romantic r- partnerships or domestic companionship. She said that LGBTQ activists have unjustly appropriated civil rights language. I'm sure you're <laughs> such a brave fighter. Amir Slobacek, just ran at that name, not sure if I said it right, um, called the notion of gay people's marriages nonsensical. Um, he also is one of those people that says bestiality will come after same-sex marriage. Of course, Because right. people don't understand slippery how slope. slippery slopes work. Um, what else? Christopher Tolfson, he wrote, he's anti-trans. So he's more specific in his hatred for people. Uh, quote, attempts to change one bi- one's biological sex all fail. That is an undefeatable reason against trying to do so. He also said it's a mark of a heartless culture that encourages such confusion, even to the point of encouraging bodily mutilation as a solution to gender dysmorphia. So wait, these people are all in charge of running a human rights commission on behalf of our government. Yeah, I've got one more. F. Cartwright Whelan. You know you can't trust anybody whose first name is an initial. (laughs) That's just science. Um, He served as a policy analyst for the uh, Texas Conservative Coalition Research Institute Institute, which is an anti-LGBTQ think tank. Um, so those are the one, two, three, four, five, six people who are going to decide what uh, what a human right is. So do you feel good about that? Because I want to jump off a fucking bridge. I'm not surprised. Of course you're not surprised. Um, There's nothing to be surprised at anymore. Yeah. Uh, fucking <laughs> made it right in. Did you see? That was good. I did see not it. see. Asshole. Um, different issue altogether. There is a... We've talked about this before. There is a thing that our IRS does in the tax code that allows ministers to deduct the cost of rent of Mm -hmm. their church-owned houses 
from their taxable income. So basically, it's the parsonage exemption. If you're a pastor, you can you don't have to like pay taxes. I have an important question. Yes. Um, could we legally be considered pastors or no. ministers because we not hold, even close. We hold no once weekly no session. No. We have a following. You need to have at least one congregant and we have no following. Donnie's here every week. <laughs> Christianity today said eighty four percent of senior pastors get the exemption and it's like twenty to forty thousand dollars on top of their salary okay. that they're basically saving here. So the question is, if the IRS says if you're a religious leader, you don't have to pay like taxes on the rent of your house or whatever, mm-hmm. or you can deduct, sorry, deduct the cost of rent of your house or whatever from your taxable income. Does that apply to atheists or at least people who run an atheist group? And like a couple us. of years ago, um, the Freedom From Religion Foundation's leaders, they wanted to challenge this law saying, well, hey, we run a religious nonprofit mm-hmm. or a atheistic nonprofit, mm-hmm. which, I mean, we have, as, we have members we have meetings. Mm-hmm. We do all this stuff that ministers do. We provide for our members. Like, you can argue that we are pastors of a sort. Yeah. And they wanted to file a lawsuit. Long story short, the uh, and a, a, a judge said, yeah, you're right. Let's get rid of the parsonage exemption. It's, to, it's a benefit to religion, and that's religious discrimination. Yeah. Like, the government should not be giving a reward to religious leaders. Mm-hmm. So the judge said, let's get rid of it completely. Cool. And that would have been really bad for every church in America. So they were very angry about that. So, yeah, there were a lot of articles in religious media about, like, oh, my God, this is really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it got to the appeals court, and the appeals court overturned it. Really? Yeah. This happened before. Like, we knew this. It happened earlier this year. But had the ruling remained in place, it would have been a big deal. So, but, okay, big bullet dodged if you're a church. Mm -hmm. So now here's what's happening. There's another group that wants to challenge this ruling. And it involves the Humanist Society of Greater Phoenix. Okay. It's a regional, local, atheist group. It's a humanist group. But they do have a paid executive director named Luke Douglas. And this is the most local atheist groups do not have a paid staffer, but this one does. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they did recently, this month, is that with his blessing, more or less, they changed his contract so that he doesn't have to like they're not giving him the money they would have normally paid him they're giving him less because they're saying go ahead and file for the parsonage exemption Mm. and that's the way we'll make up your salary to you right (laughs) so basically next year when he does his taxes he's gonna say well i run a group and i run a religious group of sorts and so i'm filing for the parsonage exemption right and the question is is the irs gonna say yeah, okay, let's do that. Or are they going to say, no, dude, you, you're not allowed to do that because you don't run a church. If that happens, he's planning to file a lawsuit. Uh-huh. So this is a long game here. Sure. But he is setting himself up, following whatever he learned from the FFRF case, they are setting the, the groundwork to file a lawsuit here. And a couple of big differences. FFRF was an atheist organization. You can argue that's not a religious group. But secular humanism, legally speaking, that yeah. is counted as a religion, arguably, mm-hmm. in, in courts. Another one is that FFRF's case, if they had won, the parsonage exemption would be gone. Sure. And they lost that case. In this battle with Luke Douglas, humanists? it would just include humanists. So it's, it's a very narrow thing that he's trying to fix mm-hmm. to expand who that exemption applies to. 
So that's kind of the the big thing. It's not an existential threat to mm-hmm. churches. It is winnable. And here's the bigger thing. Whether if this lawsuit happens and if he wins in the lower court and someone appeals it, because the churches will inevitably appeal it. But it, why would they? What's in it for them to appeal that? Because... Uh, when as soon as you change the definition of who gets religious perks uh-huh. to include atheists, again, this is a conservative Christian thing. Neutrality for them means you hate Christianity. Okay, they treat neutrality as anti-Christian. So I assume they would fight back or some uh, conservative Christian legal group. Win there? Um, it's probably you know what I think it's one of those things where they don't really care about this. They want to. They would be more interested in how is this going to apply to other things. So like, oh, we could put a cross up as a war memorial. Well, what about an atheist group that wants to put up their symbol? Maybe a court's going to say, well, they allowed the tax exemption here, so it applied. Like huh. I think they're playing the long game if they appeal it. I'm not a that lawyer. That just seems Don't like a real no-win no situation. I and mean, maybe I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong or about no that, like... Or no-lose situation. Like, if, if, if this tax exemption applied oh yeah, to humanists, right. like, who doesn't benefit but, from that? But, of course, we can say the same thing about gay marriage, and they're still, like, right. all up their own ass about that. So, yes. like... So, so the question is what's going to happen. But if it gets to an appeals court, the same way FFRF's case did, it would go to the Ninth Circuit in California, which is considered the most liberal... Of the appeals courts. This is the Ninth Circuit is the one that said, oh, this guy is suing to get under God, like saying the Pledge of Allegiance Mm -hmm. is illegal because of under God. Like, yeah, he has a point. Yeah. And that's why Michael Newdow got to the Supreme Court. Like, that's the Ninth Circuit. So it's a it's not the one FFRF was in. Sure. So it's an interesting thing. They just announced that today. We'll see if but it'll take a long time. It'll be a long time before we know if that gets anywhere. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting. I had one last story for you. Okay. I've got a handful left. All right. Um, here's Here's the story. Um, there is a city, Bethel, Connecticut, that has has no idea how to handle holiday displays on government property. Okay. The war on Christmas has already started. <laughs> so, like, get this. No, it's July. <laughs> I, My sister-in-law texted, like, what was your Christmas plans? I was like, can I just enjoy this 10,000-degree temperature for a fucking second? Mm. We're talking about Which the war on so Christmas. Long. Like two years ago, the city said, we're going to put a nativity scene outside the mean, like town hall. Mm-hmm. And an atheist said, well, I want to put up my old, my own display. And they said, mm, you got to fill out an application. Oops, we lost it. And an attorney <laughs> for the American, for American atheists said like, you can't have the atheist fill out an application when you didn't do that for anybody right. else. So they just said like, if you do it again, we may file a lawsuit, so, like, fix your damn policy. Right. So we cut to 2018. Now the city said everybody needs to fill out an application. Oh, See? Neutrality. But the city's, like, l- elected officials said, listen, there's not enough space to accommodate everybody who fills out a display, so we're just going to accept the very first application we receive. <laughs> but get this, get this. That announcement was made during like a 6.30 meeting that when they had their town meeting uh-huh. and like it was approved by a vote shortly after that. And yet at 5.30, uh-huh. the local newspaper, which had already written an article about this whole thing that was going to happen, published a story on the website that said, hey, the town has already approved a nativity scene. Oh, you oh, guys. Oh, isn't that shady? You guys do better <laughs> at being shady. Come on. Yeah. And so American Atheist sent another letter saying, like, dude, what the hell? Hey, guys. We're gonna remember file. that conversation we had? <laughs> so here's what the city did. 
they the American atheist said we want to put up a banner that says this season, no matter what you celebrate or why, happy holidays, your atheist neighbor. Pretty harmless mm, display. I don't know that kind of made my skin light on <laughs> and fire. American so... atheist said like take our display or we're filing a lawsuit, and the city said fine, we'll put up your damn banner. Crisis averted, at least legally speaking, because yeah. atheists got what they wanted. Okay, so the question now is that still cuts off everybody else. This is still illegal. Like, mm-hmm. what is your policy that is actually equal for everybody? So this year... Yeah, if you're letting one exception in, that doesn't change your rules. That's that exactly just, okay. that. So this year, they said, okay, we have a new policy. We actually set up a committee, a religious display committee, and they set up a new policy. The new policy is there is an application process, but if there are more applications than we have space for, we are going to have a lottery to figure out which display goes up. Okay. That sounds fine. Uh-huh. But they said... Is the lottery eeny, meeny, miny, mo? <laughs> the way they're doing the lottery is they said if everyone, like there's too many people applying, the Christian nativity scene automatically gets in and the atheist banner automatically gets in, but everyone else is in the lottery. How is this this fucking difficult? So to their credit, the atheists responded to this plan saying, this is a non-starter. Like, this is a textbook example of a proposal that has the veneer of neutrality. Right. But would only serve to further entrench the unconstitutional privilege. I would argue it doesn't even have veneer of neutrality. (laughs) It's not neutral. I mean, I appreciate that the atheists are like, we know this benefits us because we'll get our display, but we're not here to promote atheism through you. It's literally never been about... We want equality for everybody. It's never been about, it's really important (laughs) for us to have banners up. It's about, you have your shit up, like everybody else gets to. And by the way, there are people pushing back. Like one Jewish resident has raised enough money to put up a menorah display. If they do this lottery thing and they go through with it, you can bet Satanists are aware that there is a lottery happening. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, Satanists, so, y'all are doing God's work. Uh, no pun intended. I asked the Satanic Temple, are you going to you gonna enter this lottery if they do it? And they said it would be, quote, particularly enticing project if it turns out that will help. They're the best of us. This. So anyway, the city hasn't decided. They need to figure out, do they want a fair system or just say we're not doing displays at all? They, that would be okay. You that's don't, the thing. That's it's not always saying what we want. religious displays are wrong. It's just saying we're, we're not going to deal with outside displays because we can't figure out a good way to do it. I, I just, I have to say, I appreciate the atheist take on this, which is we don't care if we get what we want. This is about neutrality for everybody because yeah. I don't hear conservative Christian groups ever saying anything like that. No, no, so no, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, is that all you had? That's all. Okay, I've got a quick one. Got? Um, I'm going to start with the... We're, oh, actually, I have three pretty good newses. Go, go, It's pretty go. good. Okay, Netflix. So you, we've talked about this uh, pride, the straight pride parade that's happening in Boston. Yes, right. Um, it is dumb, but whatever, legal, I guess. So they included on their website a Netflix logo that under a site of potential sponsors, which is like such the straight a straight pl- pride people said Netflix is sponsoring our straight. They pride said parade? they are on the potential. Oh, potential sponsors. of corporate sponsorship, okay, okay. which is like fucking why? Like I'm gonna put That's up a ballsy. like Jessica Facebook page and like future employee of Apple and Google, <laughs> like future <laughs> right. billionaire. Um, so Netflix was not pleased with this. So on Tuesday, they they wrote an email to the group that said, you should know that we're unafraid of bullies. Our legal department is here, it's queer, and it's telling to steer clear, which is great. 
Um, they call uh, Netflix called the inclusion of the logo um, on the organized site quote grossly and deeply deeply hurtful and deceptive misinformation. They said they would consider further legal actions if the organizers did not immediately remove the name and logo within 24 hours. According at, at the time of this printing, um, the Netflix logo is still on the website, but it's just crossed out. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works, guys. No. Um, what? Netflix has nothing. Netflix said they have nothing to do with their organization or event. Indeed, it's telling that you feel the need to lie to gain legitimacy. Um, so that was great. One of the org- organizers, his name's John Hugo, who's a former Republican congressional candidate from Massachusetts, said, "Are you ready for a really good quote? Quote: We are appalled at the hateful and bigoted email issued by Netflix. By their highly <laughs> irresponsible statements, they effectively demonstrate the serious need for our civil rights movement. Yeah, straight people have it very tough. We believed that they would jump at the opportunity to become involved. It appears that their legal department is staffed by gay supremacists. Yes, I know. It, it's a world I dream not of. It'd gay be people can be my overlords. Oh, it's that'd fine. be great. Um, one. Another piece of good news that starts bad. So there's two, um, we, we've seen kind of a rash of judges recently that have come to the forefront that are making very, very, very bad decisions regarding rape because they're asshole men. Mm-hmm. Um, so Superior Court, this is New Jersey Supreme Court, um, Superior Court Judge John Russo, Judge John Russo Jr., um, in 2016, I don't know if you remember this, he asked a woman if she could have closed her legs to prevent a sexual assault. And then I he don't, l- but that sounds like something someone would say. Yeah, and then he later joked about the exchange with court personnel, so he's chill as fuck. Um, the New Jersey Supreme Court recommended that he be removed from the bench, which is cool. Um, they also terminated the temporary assignment of a judge. Um, his name is Ch- Toriano. Judge Marst... Oh, nope. I don't know what his first name. I didn't write it down. Uh, Toriano said um, that he declined to order a 16-year-old rape suspect to be tried as an adult because he came from, quote, a good family. Um, He said that, quote, the young man comes from a very good family who put him into an excellent school where he's doing extremely well. He's clearly a candidate not just for college, but for probably a good college. His scores for college entry were very high. Your honor. <laughs> Fucking asshole. Um, I think about all the hoops I had to deal with to apply to college. Oh, my God. I never had a judge's recommendation. No shit. Or just like, hey, your ACT scores were dope, Jess. Like, right. that robbery charge is MBD. <laughs> um, and then also State Superior, uh, Superior Court Judge Marsha Silva um, has been called to remove from the bench because she called an alleged sexual assault of a 12-year-old girl by a 16-year-old, quote, not an especially heinous or cruel offense. So that's cool and chill, as usual, courts. Um, okay, so my last story is actually a really wonderful, sweet story. Um, there's an artist named Jonah Welch who put up an art installment on um, East uh, at the corner of East 7 Mile and Kempis Street in the Sherwood neighborhood of Detroit, and it says, Trans people are sacred. Oh. And it's a really sweet billboard and um, they posted that they posted on Instagram with the, uh, with a caption uh, for somebody out there, this could be a rescue flare. All gratitude towards my trans two spirit and non-binary indigenous peeps, especially infinite Dakota for carrying this knowledge through colonization and for sharing me this phrase. When I first heard it, it lit my heart on fire. 
You shared that picture with me, and the first thing I thought was trans people are scared. And I'm like, I don't know which side is putting this (laughs) up. And then I saw it like, oh, it's a sacred. Oh, that's a nice billboard. That's good. I love that. And imagine there are going to be like conservative Christians who see that and it makes them mad. Oh, my God. It's, oh, they're going to show their ass so hard on this. Um, but good. Yay. That's a nice story. Like, yeah. it, it's so sad that like, look, it's a nice billboard. Like Take somebody it. said Take a it. nice good thing story. about trans people. And we're like, fuck, yes, finally, <laughs> we need this win. Um, Hemet, do you have anything going on oh. this weekend? Anything good you want to talk about in your life besides like, the podcast? You cannot count the podcast, the other podcast. Um, the podcast we will no longer mention I on this. I think my three-year-old has a birthday party, so I'm going to maybe a birthday party with the parents of three-year-olds. You so think? It's going to be drama. What three-year-old's party ends well? Yeah, none, probably. I, I can't imagine. I don't know these other parents. I, uh, last year, I went to a birthday party for my uh, cousin's kid who was turning five. My other cousin had also had a kid who was turning five like the next day. And he kept picking up presents and saying, this doesn't specifically say her name. Do you think it might be for me? <laughs> like three different times. He's like, it does not say her name. Do you think maybe they wanted it for me? And my cousin was like, buddy, no, 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 oh no this is not about you, bud. Um, cool. I'm going to my uh, folks place for the week. It's supposed to be like 104 degrees tomorrow. So my folks yeah. have a, uh, they live in like a, golf resort old white people thing but it's got a really dope pool have fun yeah and they give you like you can buy a glass of glass of wine i'm using quotes because it's like a fucking solo cup full like up to the brim for like four dollars so that's gonna be my day (laughs) Uh, that's probably what will happen after the three-year-old's party oh yeah yeah if god there better be booze there for y'all like dude i I don't even know where this is at we'll find out soon was the three-year-old the older one i don't know oh my god yeah is she how close are they? Why did you have two kids so quickly? I don't know. That was on you. Yeah. Um, Where do we find you? Oh, yeah. You can find me on Twitter um, at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. Um, oh, um, my Etsy shop is uh, Bitches Get Stitched Done. I've gotten some really fun custom work from some people. Um, one is, if I, <laughs> if I can hear you chew, I fantasize about your death. <laughs> one is... Um, uh, tradition, it's just bullying from dead people. <laughs> so people literally will just write me and be like, hey, I have this quote. Can you make a thing around oh it? God, and it's awesome. been really fun. Somebody wrote me, I- I'm doing one that's um, like the atheist A that kind of looks like yeah. the, the um, what's it called? The atom. Yeah. Um, and it's got the trans flag colors in it. Okay. So I'm doing that. Like, So I've got a bunch of fun projects that I'm working on, but I could definitely use more because... They look very good. I've seen them. Yeah, I'm very talented. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll Um, see you all next week. Bye, guys. Bye.